Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. I've been waiting for about a year to share this message that came out of the moment last year. This time, it was this week that I went through that just humbling season of having to be off my knee. Six weeks knee surgery, so non-weight-bearing. So I had to, to uh, grab these crutches and do life one-legged. And being a guy who, who likes to be strong, likes to be the one that helps others, entered that reality that I could not even get my cup of coffee from the kitchen counter to my chair or I have chair time without the help of my wife, without spilling that thing everywhere and had to set aside, you know, loved sports, those types of things, had to, to set those aside for six weeks. And it was during that season that God did a work in my heart and he did it through a text that we're going to look at today. It was during that six-week season that I get away for the uh, the week of, of solitude and prayer, I call it the Vision Summit, where I seek the Lord in terms of what He's doing in my own heart and life, but also seek Him for what He's doing for our church family. And it was during that week that the text we're going to look at today, He used that to, uh, to lead me to, to the step we're going to take in the purify process. Purify. When we begin to pray, Lord, create a, a pure heart in me. He's faithful to answer that prayer, isn't he? But it's not always easy, the process that he leads us into. And so today we're going to look at that. It's a, a tough step, but possibly one of the most product, productive steps if we will cooperate with what God's, God's doing in our lives. And so if you would join me, it's uh, Hebrews chapter 12. We'll pick it up where we left off last week. Last week we... we uh, started with the first three verses where God gives us a, uh, a picture of the, uh, the Christian life or following Jesus Christ is really the picture of a race. And remember, he called the big idea was run with endurance, eliminating and looking, eliminating those good things that may be slowing you down and the bad things, the, the, the sin that's tripping you up, and look to Christ, look to Christ, look to Christ, keep our eyes on him. The author, perfecter of our faith, focusing on him, the opposition that he endured. And then he comes to step number four here in verse, verse three, or verse four is where we'll pick it up. I'll, I'll give you the big idea, and then we'll go, okay? Big idea is this. Embrace my father's loving discipline as training to purify my heart. Embrace my father's loving discipline as training to purify my heart. That's where we're going to end up. That's the, really the big idea of the text. But let's, let's break it down now. Here we go. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. So here he's, he's beginning with, we're, we're watching Christ on the cross. We're running our own race. We've hit that point in our race where it's uphill. We're, we're going through some hard times. We're, we're sweating as we follow him. And in, he asked the question, <laughs> you can hear your coach asking this question, hey, is anyone bleeding yet? Like, you guys bleeding yet? Like our leader, the one who bled for us, he's the one we're following, you bleeding yet? Then whatever excuse you may have to, to quit, it, it, 
keep on. You feel the, the, the motivation here? But then he quickly goes to verse 5. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And he quotes Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. It says, it says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he, re- when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. Really important here, the, uh, what, what God's calling us to, and, and I the, the NIV translation, it's a good translation, but, but it, the first part of verse 7 is really important to grasp, and the translation doesn't quite do it right. So here's, if you could put up the next, next uh, slide, endure hardship as discipline. Next slide, if we could. For the first part of verse 7, if you could jot out to the side of your Bible, here's a better translation. For discipline, you must endure. The word hardship is not actually in the original text. It's provided, it's assumed. But this is a better translation. And here, it's important to know, God, this isn't a, an imperative. In the NIV, when he says, endure hardship as discipline, it sounds like a command. God's not commanding us here. This is instruction, something to know. And it's this. Understand this. For discipline, you must endure. So when the road goes uphill and when you're in the hard time, why carry on? Why keep on? It's for discipline. So you say, okay, what's discipline? As a parent will provide for their child, discipline is external structure, that that external discipline that helps us develop internal discipline so that we can walk on our own, so that we can go on our own, so that we can grow and become mature, right? Right? And what he's saying is, when you hit your hard road, when you hit the the point where you're sweating as you follow Christ, it's hard to carry on trial, whatever that trial is, two temptations are going to come flying at you. The first is to make light of that discipline, to, to say, ah, whatever, and ignore it. That'd be missing the point. Second one is that we collapse under it. And he's saying, okay, resist both those temptations. You must endure for this reason. For discipline, God is giving you something externally that's developing internally the capacity to walk, to go, to, to live by faith, to follow Christ. The uh, quick side note, two side notes as we before we move forward, and we're about to get into the heart of the text. First is, when we enter a season of, of we'll call it discipline, if I could... Well, instead of discipline, discipline immediately goes negative. You could also say loving discipline or loving training. What, what a father would do for his children, out of love. Our father, if you were in Christ, that's what you experience. So the question becomes when you're under a trial or you start to run uphill, is God mad at me? Is God punishing me? Right? We, we all get that feeling. I, I, when the roof blew off our house several years ago and I was wandering around in our backyard picking up lawn furniture and in the dark there, I was just thinking, God, are you, are you mad at me? And what's the answer to that question if you're in Christ? Never. Does, God does not punish his kids, those of us who are in Christ. Never. Why? The gospel. Jesus Christ suffered 
the wrath of God, the punishment of God, all the judgment. And in Christ, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. He does not punish us, but he will discipline us. So if we choose to go our own way, he will come after us with loving discipline. And there may be pain in that. There may be, he may allow pain. There may be just pain from the natural consequences. If, if we choose to do a crime, and he, he has told us in his word not to do this, then we will pay the time, right? And, and that's our choice and, and um, what, what we have to just bear up under. His grace is there even as we bear up under it, but it's not punishment. Okay, the second question that comes to, to my mind that I always wrestled with, and this week I, I think I have greater clarity. I won't say total clarity, but it was this. Am I going through a trial, like this, this random trial that's going to grow my faith, or am I going through discipline? Have you ever asked that question when you're, when you're experiencing a, uh, the road goes uphill and you start to, uh, start to sweat? So here's the, the, the grid that, that's helped me process through that, this this week. And again, this is, this is my fallible attempt to take the, the Word of God, biblical theology that God's given us, life experience, and put it out in a way that, that can help us process it. So this is, this is very fallible. I was thinking with the uh, last couple weeks ago, we had uh, Tannen's picture up here. Learning, Tannen's learning how to talk. And I thought, you know, this is a, trying to explain what God is doing through life circumstances and our suffering. It's kind of like a, a kid who's just can say like, dad, dad, mama, love you. Trying to explain uh, Einstein's theory of relativity, right? It, it's, and so, just with that in mind, but here's, here's the picture. Loving training is what we have. And the goal, we know, is always our good, God's glory, and that we would develop the heart of Christ. But as you think about the different categories of our Father's loving training, you have one is correction. This is the, uh, and the, the primary focus here is right-wrong these are those moments that we are off. And as a parent, your kid's going off, and, and you provide correction. Um, here in this text, you see the word scourge or rebuke. And so God will provide that for us. It feels like a guardrail. It's not pleasant. It's that guardrail that keeps us going from over the, over the cliff. And it's so that we can move back into the blessing of God. Who, who's the person that comes to mind as you think about Scripture that, that received the correction of God? And, and we could all list someone. I immediately thought of Balaam and the prophet who was going the wrong way. And Balaam's donkey stops, you know, and he's whipping his donkey. And God, actually the donkey can see that if you just keep going, you're going to die. And uh, the donkey starts talking to him. And so if your donkey starts talking to you, that's when you're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm listening. But uh, correction, and then the next is test. And the focus here is not right or wrong, it's your faith. And this is where God, and it, and it doesn't feel like a guardrail, it feels like a storm. It's usually an event that just rocks you, and you're wondering, the, the uh, church fathers calls it, call it the dark night of the soul. God seems to disappear. It's like we're out on the boat, you know, with the disciples, and we're thinking we're going to die Who's a, a person that comes to mind as you think about the test of faith? Abraham, right? Abraham and Isaac. And again, God's providing an opportunity for, for you to trust him. How do you know if you can really trust him? If you really trust him. 
James 1 says, consider it pure joy because these trials have come so that you, your faith would grow and, and it comes through these events that God allows, provides. The next would be prune. This is John 15, and this is a good, better, best. And this is where John 15 tells us the Father is the gardener, and he will prune things from our lives, meaning take things away, so that we might focus on what matters most. And th this feels like, what, what's this feel like? Those of you who have experienced pruning or are in a season of pruning, <laughs> feels like the Clippers just... And taking something, I, I know when I was on crutches, basketball, right? And you just, ouch, Victor Oladipo right now. We're praying for him and, and uh, as he blew his knee. And, man, he, he's in a season of, of pruning. But what's awesome is we know God's at work. The Father's at work. Who's a person in the, uh, as you think about the, the story, the story of uh, faith in God's word who, who would come to mind as somebody who, was pruned. I think of Paul immediately. God just, he's flying, man, on, on a great path, career, doing what he thinks is right, and God knocks him off his, uh, to his knees, takes away his sight for three days, takes away his life pretty much for three years, sends him to a desert to learn, and then takes away his career. Paul, you're now going to be a tent maker and go out and get beat up and run from city to city, getting beat up, taking my gospel around the world. That was hard, but man, led to a great productivity. And then the last category is, uh, and this one I'm not become real solid with that word yet, but, but it works. And this is where God equips us to love. And he does this by putting evil people in our, or uh, not evil people, could be an evil person. People that are hard to love, or he, he'll take a circumstance, God did God design an evil circumstance? No, but he allows, an, when a certain evil circumstance hits us, he will use that to help us become more like Christ. He will redeem that. Who's the person that immediately comes to mind from the Old Testament where God, he just gets waylaid by evil people constantly, and God redeems that to the point where he's now able to love in a way. We look at that, the great forgiveness. Who, who's the guy? It's Joseph, right? And great uh, picture. So something we know about all this loving, and again, there's overlap here. One is it's loving training. It's, it's, but uh, what we're going to get into these next verses kind of flesh out what's common among all these and, and why we should embrace this and, and stick with it. And so if you would join me in a and back to the danger again, just remembering, we can either make light of the Lord's discipline or we can collapse under it. But God gives us five compelling reasons to embrace it. And we'll start in verse uh, 7a. Again, he says, endure hardship as discipline or for discipline you must endure. So just when we enter a season of loving training to remember that, that uh, to receive what God wants me to receive, I need to stick with this. I need to, to endure this. I need to just continue to run by his power because he's at work. Really important truth. We all want the blue sky days, right? And we enjoy the blue sky days. And there's nothing wrong with the blue sky and the good times of life. But when do we really grow in our faith and love? <laughs> it's interesting hearing people's faith stories. You say, hey, when, what was your moment of greatest pain? 
And it's often at that point of greatest pain that God does some of his most sanctifying work in our hearts, helping us become like Christ. And so we remember this. It's prime time to train. For discipline, you must endure. Second reason we see in verses 7 and 8, he says, for God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone is undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. And so as we enter one of these seasons of training, it's a reminder that we belong to God, that we're his child. And the big idea here is we don't discipline the neighbor's kids, right, the same way that we would discipline our kids. And so we know um, God's at work, and this is part of being his child. I remember as a young follower of Christ, having the thought, why do I always get caught? When there's this room full of kids that get away with all this stuff, and I do one little thing, and I get busted for it. And now in hindsight, I look back and realize it's one of the perks of being his kid, isn't it? <laughs> we don't get away with stuff. He, he, in his grace, he just causes, um, causes people to see it, and we get checked up. Also, with the, uh, this one would fall, that correction would be why, why we get caught, the test of faith. Early on in our, uh, as we were independent, Tam and I raising a family, whatever, we'd do the Dave Ramsey thing, save up the emergency fund, but it seemed like every time we got our fund saved up, we were getting hit with something that would empty it out. And I was serving as a youth pastor, and I'm like, Lord, you asked the question, don't you care about me? You know, why am I always, just when I get our finances to the point where I'm not worried, psh, something happens out of the blue, an event that drains him. And do you know what he whispered to me? I'm training you. Are you going to trust your emergency fund? Or are you going to trust me? And if you can't trust me in these, this, this season of your life, you're not going to trust me later on when I will entrust you with more. And so it's, it's okay, um, am I trusting what I've saved or am I trusting you? And he grows our faith, develops our faith. Third reason that, that we embrace our Father's discipline is in verse 8. It's the, uh, his discipline is exactly what I need. And he says this. I'm sorry, verse 9. It says this. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Don't you love the, uh, that picture of, okay, our aren't you thankful, one, for our parents who disciplined us and did that hard work of breaking our will? And he's saying, now, how much more should we submit to the one, not who just gave us birth, but the one who created us? Like, he knows what will lead us to life. And so, even though it hurts, and even though we wonder, why am I sweating, and why is this happening, how much more should we submit? Um, stick with it, embrace it, and, and allow God to do what he's going to do, and then live. And I love that picture of live. Again, leading us to a life that will be a blessing that we, as we follow Christ. So I was thinking about being a parent. We've all messed up as parents. We have parent regret moments. Uh, we were laughing just this past week about a, a moment in our parenting where kids were young and they were fighting and Tam was the one doing the discipline and she sends them up to their rooms to read 1 Corinthians 13 like 10 times. It's the love chapter. Like just love is patient, love is kind. So read this until it gets into your soul and then come back and talk. Well, Chad comes back repentant and ready to 
to uh, love his sister. Jesse comes back completely um, upset, confused, crying, and uh, we're like, why? And she had read First Chronicles 13, which is the story of Uzzah when he touches the ark and God strikes him dead. <laughs> so here's this poor little girl thinking, what does this have with me? Am I going to die? And, uh, and Tam felt so bad. That was one of those parent regret moments. Well, our father has never had a moment where, where he looks back and says, oh, that was a, a bad discipline moment or a bad training moment for my kid. Everyone of his, uh, what he allows into our lives, it's perfect in its timing and its duration. It's just what we need to continue to grow. And then the fourth reason that we can embrace our Father's discipline is found there in verse 10. His discipline is for my good, helping me share in his holiness. Verse 10 says, They, our parents, disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. So important to his goodness, or, or our good, our good is always at the heart of, of what he allows into our lives. But here's the, the, the thing that just blows, blows my mind. In order that we may share in his holiness. Isn't that awesome? God's intention for you and me is nothing less than holiness. To be holy is to be without contamination, pure like Christ, is to be set apart. Holiness always has in it, also has in view usefulness. We're set apart for a special purpose. And that God would, through the things that we go through, through loving training, be equipping us to share in his holiness. Now, like as we do life now, is it possible for you and me to, to live like Christ, to become, and, and granted, uh, perfection is, we won't experience that till the other side, but it is possible to share in his holiness as we receive the discipline that, that, and the loving training that he gives us, which leads us to the next reason to, to embrace his loving discipline, which is found in, in verse 11. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so the, the reason here is it's painful for a season, but it will produce a lifetime of right decisions. I think it's, it's good right here to acknowledge that, uh, the pain of it. When we're going through a season of, of training, the pain is real. And, and the, the tears that we cry are real. The, uh, I think about Victor Oladipo even this week. Too. It was interesting. God was prepping his heart. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. On Sunday of this week, he tweeted, here today, gone tomorrow, hashtag God's got me. Tuesday night, he blows his knee. Season-ending injury. Um, just when LeBron leaves the Eastern Conference and we got a chance to run, Pacers are third in, our, in the division, and his hopes and his dreams are just... And so I don't, if you, the tweet that I think just came out yesterday is so good. And he says, I go through tears and wondering why and how, but then I come back to faith and I'm trusting my God. He's got me. And isn't that a great picture? Tears and trust. Tears and trust. It hurts. But God's got us. 
And we are anchored in the reality that, that, that not only does he have me in this time, he's doing something in me. And what he's doing far outweighs the pain in this. It is going to create a harvest of righteousness. Now, when he says righteousness, what's righteousness? That's a, a churchy word. What it means is making right decisions with the right heart. What I'm going through right now, he's pruning me. He, he's purifying this heart, getting rid of these impure motives, impure actions. Um, he, he's growing my faith and love so that as I do life, I am going to have a harvest of righteousness. Mike Moore, how many beans, now I'm talking bean pods, I'm talking beans are in a 100-acre field of soybeans? You do, he, he doesn't know. You know why? You don't count a harvest. You can't. What God's saying here is immeasurable. A lifetime and eternity of right decisions, meaning decisions where I don't look back and regret that. Decisions that lead to life at its very best. And how does it happen? Through painful seasons of training. Isn't that awesome? You feel the hope there? So, all right, here it comes. This is... What I've been waiting to share with you guys since last year when I was crutching along, one-legged, going through all this stuff, and there in the, uh, the retreat center, I'm, oh man, you know, even I can't, just, what, what, what's going on, God? What's going on with this? And this text, what's coming next, you know how there's, there's times when God just shows up and it's almost like he's in the room saying the text to you? This is the text. Verse 12, therefore. Therefore. Now when he says therefore, he's pivoting. He's moving out of information into motivation and a calling. Therefore. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> strengthen your, lift your drooping arms on translation, but strengthen these Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that, the, so that what is lame, that part of you that's broken, that part of you that's impure, the, the part of you that's not like Christ, what is lame may not be disabled or put out a joint further so that you're collapsing, but rather healed. Here's the question. Where are you weak when it comes to being a fully devoted follower of Christ where are you weak when it comes to trusting God with all your heart and all your soul and all your future where are you weak when it comes to loving people with the love of Christ when it comes to, to living with the kind of love that lays down its life on a cross for somebody who hurt you where are you weak when it comes to, to uh, the idols, following the idols in your life? Whether they be the idol of money, the idol of status, the idol of stuff, the idol of pleasure. Where are you chasing things that don't matter? Where are you weak when it comes to staying focused on your life mission? Being distracted, chasing, again, the things that don't matter. Here God is saying, you know what this, this time of training is about? It's about me strengthening your feeble arm 
and your weak knee. Why? So that you can run like Jesus. So that you don't have to keep limping and crutching through life one-legged. What is it that had you living life one-legged? We all got it. Wonder, why can't I do this, do that? Living life one-legged, and God says, all right. When that road turns uphill, you start to sweat, starts to get hard. We know in our minds, he's about to strengthen my feeble arm, my weak knee. So then what's he say? And this is really, and he says, make level the paths before you. Or in other words, look at your life and, and what would be the best steps to take and then run that path so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. And so, the, uh, and what's really neat about the word of God, make, just to make us thirsty here a little bit, is that it's, it's beautiful on a multidimensional level. We can read this verse quickly, and we see it on the surface, but, but God's saying a whole lot in this little verse, and he's saying it poetically. He's hyperlinking to a prophecy and a proverb. When you read, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees, he's hyperlinking to Isaiah 35, which is a whole chapter about the joy of living redeemed and living rescued. And right there in the middle of it, Isaiah 35, 3 and 4, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And later on in that chapter, verse 8, it says, and we will walk the highway of holiness. Isn't that cool? Um, Tying these two thoughts together. And then the next verse, the next part of this verse says, therefore, um, make level paths for you. He's hyperlinking to Proverbs chapter 4, verses, uh, I believe it's 26, 27, where he says, give careful thought to your paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Isn't that great? So that we might, what is lame, might not be put out of joint, disabled, but rather healed. The last part of this phrase, um, the word healed is where God just raises the shade on our, our seasons of training, isn't it? And the image that came to my mind sitting there at their retreat center that, that day was, was our Lord. How can we run like Christ? Is it possible to run like Christ? And here in this text, God's saying, yeah, it is. God's intention for us is nothing less than his holiness and that we might live with the heart of Christ, doing right things for the right reasons, for the glory of God. And if you're in a a season of of trial right now, a season of training, I just encourage you to let this text be oxygen to your soul. Let it soak in deeply, the, uh, especially verses 12 and 13. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. The temptation would be to ignore God's discipline, his training, or to collapse under it. And hear God saying, don't do either one of those things. Jump in and, and uh, go with me. See the work I'm doing in your heart. Make level paths for your feet, meaning... As, as I was on crutches coming across the parking lot like we have today, you're thinking about your feet, aren't you? You're, you're looking for the clear paths, and then you're, you're stepping in them because you know if I go down, psh, I'm out. And so it is as we do, uh, do life. Be wise. 
think about your path. And if you have a weakness here or there, whatever it may be, plan out your path and then hit it. Be wise as, as you go. And through the pain, God is doing what he's doing. So I look back on that six-week season and see, wow, the work that God was doing in my heart, really, in all four of these categories was, was pretty big. And I pray, Lord, help me not forget what you taught me. One was relationships take time. And Tam, our marriage was better after those six weeks. And that Tam said, John, we've never talked so much as this season because you quit running around and just had to sit in a chair. And so I still have those moments. I just need to quit running around, sit in a chair, and, and be with her. It gave me a deeper compassion for people going through physical recoveries and made me just so grateful. I was talking to Dave Coleman today, but Dave, uh, Dave Dreesen and Tyson have wired our door out here so that when the first thing when you're on crutches or you're weak physically is how am I going to get that door open? And uh, it's hard, and they've wired it, so you just have to hit the thing and the door opens, and we have door holders as well, but a, a deeper compassion. But you know what the, the biggest thing God gave me? And it was awesome. And I, I encourage you to ask this question when you come to your season of training. Here's the question. God, what is causing me to run one-legged as I follow you? Like, what's my one thing that's keeping me from running with both legs hard after you? What's the one thing that needs healed in my life? And God will show you. And for me, it was fear of people. It was the approval trap. And God just whispered, John, you cannot worry about what people think and lead this church where it needs to go. So you got to just get over it. Strengthen that feeble arm and weak knee and make level path for your feet. So form a plan where you're just going to be bold and regularly so I, I formed the plan, and I'm still working, and I'm not over it, but I'm, I'm moving better towards it. And so what might yours be? It might be money, chasing stuff. It might be status. It might be performance. You just have to have the win. Why? And it's keeping you from loving. There are times you would rather win than love the person next to you. And God does his work in our hearts. The question on the table, will you embrace his loving training, and allow him to, to do what, what he's going to do. So the next time that, that you're breathing heavy, your race takes a turn uphill, it's hard. What are we thinking? Purify, purify, purify. It's time to strengthen these feeble arms and weak knees. And with God's help, I'm about to accelerate up the, the highway of holiness, right? I'm about to grow to become more like Christ. Rather than ignore his command or his uh, training or collapse under it, I'm embracing it, knowing through this discipline, what is lame is about to be healed. Isn't that great? And I hope this is, uh, I feel like I wish we could just turn this into a classroom, and you guys are looking at me like you want to talk. Are there questions out there? <laughs> that I know this may raise a lot of questions, and, and please, if you do have questions, let me know, And but uh one, I think the big thing is remember that this is loving training. I know when we hear the word discipline, we often think negative and just know your father, he loves you and it's for your good.
All right. Well, let's pray and, and uh, we'll carry on. Father, we do thank you for your word to us today. I thank you for this precious truth that um, gives us a window into what you're doing through the events of our lives and reminds us first that you love us as a, as a perfect father, that your desire for us is to share in your holiness. And then we just love the call up that we would strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths, and then uh, so that you can do your work of healing in our lives. And today, Lord, I pray for your, for my brothers and sisters and your children who are going through a hard time. I know in this room that there's a number of us that are in that season of, of training. And I, I think even this morning of Victor Aladipo and just pray your grace, your peace, your strength for him. Think of uh, Brandon Lawson this morning as I know he suffered a heart attack this week, and just pray your work in his life. Pray for my mother-in-law, Lois, as she continues through her journey of pain, and Lord, we do ask that you'd, you'd uh, take her out of that pain, but continue to uh, shape her and grow her faith and her love. I pray for the person here today that's struggling to forgive, God, that you would give them the grace to answer your call, to take up their cross, to love as you, to love the person that they're needing to forgive as you love them. I pray for the person today that's going through a time of pruning and you're removing something that they love, that uh, you would give them grace in those moments to grieve it appropriately, but also just to see that you're at work. Father, I thank you that you're faithful to purify us, to give us those things that we would never choose, but when we look back on our life from heaven's shores, we will praise you because you saw best, you knew best, and, and you loved us in this way. We love you and we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus, amen.